doesn't much add up real well uh, how to make a career change here. You transferred to BYU, and uh, you played tight end there. And when you came out, did you have any uh, idea that you wanted to go into coaching, or were you, like anybody that's 22 years old, not sure, just kind of looking around? Well, like every young kid, you know, you, you see yourself as the big league ball player, the pro football player, and always envisioned and dreamed of doing that. But I grew up, in having grown up in Redlands, California, which is east of L.A., uh, a small town, but it was a single high school of about 4,000 students. High school football was king. Obviously, the high school coach was king. And I can almost remember as far back as wanting to, to coach as I can wanting to play. I don't know what, I don't know whether it was because of the stature of the high school football coach I grew up with. Went to Brigham Young University where Lavelle Edwards, a legendary college coach. But I can remember wanting to coach as far back as wanting to play and knew that when I was done playing, and I'm like every young player, think I was going to play pro ball and do all that type of stuff, but eventually was going to end up coaching. Yeah, you were drafted in the 11th round by the 49ers, but that didn't work out. You went to Dallas, that didn't work out, so you never really played in the NFL. But tell me, when you got drafted and got into training camp, tell me what your impression of was of professional football. Well, it was interesting because my first foyer into it, as you mentioned, I was drafted in the 11th round, which they don't even have anymore. That would, I would have been a free agent in today's NFL. Went to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this wasn't the San Francisco 49ers of the Bill Walsh that I became familiar with later on. This was a dysfunctional group, and whatever concept you had of pro football, this wasn't it. Joe Thomas was the general manager. Uh, it just uh, the coaching, st- everything about it was kind of second tier. Uh, and to then go from there, and I got cut there eventually uh, prior to the first uh, the first game, uh, went uh, went back to my hometown in Redlands, coached, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I knew I wanted to coach, and so I volunteered um, at a small college, University of Redlands, which is NAIA, a guy named Frank Sorrell, legendary coach in small college coaching. And I just wanted to be around and learn what coaching was about, just volunteered with him. And, uh, of course, I was in my hometown, and my high school coach, he had his quarterback coach uh, hit a player. So he had to suspend him, and he offered me the job as his quarterback coach. He could actually pay me. He paid me $2,000 for the season. But I didn't want to give up the job at the University of Redlands, so I did both in the same year. It was an unbelievable year. I'd do the high school practices from 2 to 4, the college practices from 4 to 6. Friday night was the high school games. Take the film off Saturday. Saturday afternoon or Saturday night was the college games, and Sunday take that film off. So basically had two years in one, and was one of the most unbelievable years in terms of learning from two legendary coaches in small college and in, uh, in a high school ball. Uh, and then at the end of the season, the Dallas Cowboys had signed me, uh, which was the normal thing you did at the end of the season to kind of fill out your roster. Uh, went into training camp with them, got cut, and that's when then I went back to Brigham Young University to work on my master's and then try to get a coaching job. You know, I was going to ask you about your early coaching influences because I found in talking to athletes, uh, whether it be high school or whether even it be down in Pop Warner, that there's always a couple of people that really impress them and kind of set the standard for them. You talked about those two coaches. What is it that you came away from both with, Brian? Well, I've been so fortunate with the coaches I've been able to watch, learn from, whether it be uh, Paul Womack at Redlands High School in Southern California or Frank Sorrell at the University of Redlands, uh, Lavelle Edwards at Brigham Young University, even my pro type, to be around a Tom Landry, a Mike Ditka, a Dan Reeves. I mean, he's uh, unbelievable to see basically how they conduct themselves. And I don't know that I fully appreciated it at the time. It wasn't until I got into the prof- profession that I could look back 
and recognize what I took from them. Uh, but typically with each of them, as I have come to learn, that each coach brings a certain set of attributes, a certain part of his personality. There are certain core principles. They're all good teachers. They're all leaders of men. But they all do it a little bit differently, and you take a little something from each. You know, one of the things you listed off a lot of great names, many of them in the Hall of Fame as well, is communication, the commonality among all of them, the ability to be able to get their thoughts, their plan, their schemes across to the people they're coaching? Yeah, I think in whatever material or manuscript you go to, if you were to take anything written on coaching, teaching, leadership, or communication, you could juxtaposition any of those words in those teachings, and it would make absolute sense. And that's exactly what it is. It's done in a different way, uh, but that ability to communicate uh, and, and to interact with people as a